Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 88 O Lord, God of my salvation, when at night I cry out in your presence, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like those who would have no help, like those forsaken among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a thing of horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call on you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do... Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the shades rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave, or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness, or your saving help in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry out to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide your face from me? Wretched and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am desperate. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dread assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. From all sides they close in on me. You've caused friend and neighbor to shun me. My companions are in darkness. Leviticus chapter 21 verses 1 through 15. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, No one shall defile himself for a dead person among his relatives, except for his nearest kin, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, his brother, likewise for a virgin sister, close to him because because she has had no husband, he may defile himself for her, but he shall not defile himself as a husband among his people and so profane himself. They shall not make bald spots upon their heads or shave off the edges of their beards or make any gashes in their flesh. They shall be holy to their God, and not profane the name of God. For they offer the Lord's offerings by fire, the food of their God. Therefore they shall be holy. They shall not marry a prostitute or a woman who has been defiled. Neither shall they marry a woman divorced from her husband. For they are holy to their God, and you shall treat them as holy, since they offer the food of your God. They shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, the, who, I who sanctify you, am holy. When the daughter of a priest profanes herself through prostitution, she profanes her father. She shall be burned to death. The priest who is exalted above his fellows, on whose head the anointing oil has been poured and who has been consecrated to wear the vestments, shall not dishevel his hair nor tear his vestments. He shall not go where there is a dead body. He shall not defile himself even for his father or mother. He shall not go outside the sanctuary and thus profane the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. I am the Lord. 
He shall marry only a woman who is a virgin, a widow, or a divorced woman, or a woman who has been defiled, a prostitute. These he shall not marry. He shall marry a virgin of his own kind, that he may not profane his offspring among his kin. For I am the Lord, I sanctify him. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 through 24. But thanks be to God, who put in the heart of Titus the same eagerness for you that I myself have. For he not only accepted our appeal, but since he is more eager than ever, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his proclaiming the good news. And not only that, but he has also been appointed by the churches to travel with us while we are administering this generous undertaking for the glory of the Lord himself, and to show our goodwill. We intend that no one should blame us about this generous gift that we are administering, for we intend to do what is right not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of others. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found eager in many matters, but who is now more eager than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker in your service. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, openly openly before the churches, show them proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. Good morning and welcome to the fifth Monday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 88, Leviticus 21, and 2 Corinthians 8. And it's uh, really, it's an interesting reading in Leviticus. I'm talking about burning prostitutes to death and um, shunning people and um, defiling uh, women, some women, but not others. Um, and the it's important to, to understand the context within which it appears, and that's in Leviticus, which is the priestly code um, uh, of the of the three kind of academic consensus um, you know sources for the Old Testament. Uh, the priestly editors, redactors, whatever, are most concerned about ritual purity, kind of moral purity as well, but also like what what happens with the tabernacle and the temple and, and what are the, the ways in which uh, the people um, remain uh, you know, decent or, or, or pure before God. Um, and it's really interested in purity. You know, don't intermarry, don't defile this, don't touch that. Um, these are, uh, I'm certain that this section of Leviticus is one of the places that um, the text has in mind, and Jesus has in mind, when he talks about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it's easy to um, to read the Good Samaritan and think, oh, the, the priests and the Levites, they're douchebags for not helping this guy who's injured. Um, but the, the priestly imagination, the mindset of um, priests was so committed to purity that the the ironic priests couldn't um, even help their mother or father if they, you know, were bleeding to death because blood is is sacred and they couldn't touch it. Um, and it it says in, in this passage, 
don't even try and save your mother and, and father because uh, you shouldn't defile yourself, even for your mother or your father. Um, and so it's, it's easy to think, oh, well, we know better. Um, you know, the, clearly the story is saying these are horrible people. The story that Jesus conveys is actually much more complicated than that. Um, to be priests, to be the thing um, that you are called to be, that you go through this whole ordeal, um, not to mention your, you know, it's it's the family business. Um, you, this is a part, this is your Kool-Aid. Um, your purity um, is representative of the people's purity. And if you become impure, impure, that means you've made the entire people impure. So it's not so simple as saying, oh, those priests should have helped the person. Um, so now we know who the antagonist is of the story. It's much more complicated. Jesus is not pointing out the priests and the, the Levites as the bad guys. He's saying, look how fucking complicated this is. Look at how you know obsessed we've become over you know, some of these uh, strictures that we have as the people of God. Um, And this is why Paul, most notably, but not, I don't think he's doing this by himself. I do think that Jesus does it as well. Paul, um, who um, acts, acts, boasts as, you know, this learned, you know, study under the feet of Gamaliel, etc. He's, his pivot is so extreme in part because he realizes that the people have become so obsessed, um, you know, the Sanhedrin and everything else, they've become so obsessed with following the law that they forget that the law is about helping you be close with God. It's not about the law. The law is a means to an end. The people had made the law an end into itself. And he comes along and says, no, the law doesn't exist by itself. All these rules and purity and everything else... They exist for one reason alone, and that's to be close with God. And if they get in the way of being close with God, get rid of them. You know, don't worry about them. Um, and so Paul might say to the Levite who passes the Samaritan in, in anguish, he might say, hey, look, stop, help this man, then go purify yourself if, if you have to. Jesus is saying, this is what the Levites do. Every Israelite who hears that would have thought, oh yeah, that's okay. That makes sense. They didn't help him because he appears dead. Um, and I think we're, we're reaching that same moment with, uh, uh, you know, where our imagination collectively as a church in America in particular, um, where we've so become so obsessed with getting things right. Um, and feeling better about ourselves through ritual and self-righteousness that we lose sight of what it, what the hell it is that we're doing. And I say that, um, uh, for, you know, for example, um, in, in my experience in, uh, what, you know, are mostly self-defined progressive churches, pacifist groups, et cetera, they're so concerned about being pacifists because they think that's what's right, that they forget that, um, they they lose sight of uh, what happens when they put those principles above and before God and what God calls us to. So we have a suicide epidemic, and Christians, both progressive and conservative, are befuddled 
um, because we've gotten so complacent, we've gotten so set in our ways of either um, villainizing the military or venerating them that we don't even realize that we're that both sides of the political spectrum are dehumanizing them. You know, whether you put us up on a pedestal or or think we're down in the the gutters, um, we're not. We don't see eye to eye with one another, and that that's your first hint that we dehumanize people when we can't look them eye to eye, when we um, try and look down on them as though we're better than them, or we put them up on a soapbox and a pedestal and we pretend that they're kings for a day just so that they that we feel better about ourselves. Um, and so both um, sides, for lack of, I mean, I think we do have two sides. I mean, we have, when we have two political parties and that's, Literally, the only choice, everything becomes a binary. Um, and so we don't do nuance. We don't do complicated, you know, human reality. We do stereotypes and caricatures and, and we lob, you know, rhetorical bombs over a big brick wall that we set up between our, our camps. Um, and we lose sight of, you know, what's really going on. Um, so if, like the suicide epidemic for me, it's about human dignity. You know, it's not about, sure, drugs might help uh, and therapy might help, but we've been trying that now for decades, at least a decade, if not more. And I haven't seen the suicide rate go down very much. And maybe it's because that only gets us so far. When we start treating people like human beings, uh, when we stop, you know, um, exploiting them or, or vilifying them, that's when... Uh, you know, when people feel much more human, um, I think the, you know, the the things that, the many things that are circling uh, a person when they are considering suicide, I think that the number of those things drastically reduces. When they're allowed to have their own story and be their own person and determine um, on their terms what it means to be them, um, I think we see a far, you know, lower percentage of, of people, you know, look to suicide as the way out. Um, they feel at home in their own bodies, at home in their own communities. Um, but most soldiers and veterans don't. They don't feel that way. Why do you think the, you know, the Legion still has people coming to it and all these, you know, old veterans organizations? Um, and we've, we've created these kind of cloistered communities of, of veterans because society doesn't know what to do with them. Um, and people are hurting, and you know, those of us who are self-righteous think, oh, you know, give them, uh, give them Prozac or, or give them therapy or um, give them a pat on the back, um, and then they just walk on as though that's help, um, and it's not. We've, we've got to get over this idea that um, our roles— you know, whether it's priests, academics, or these identities that we choose, uh, pacifist, patriot, um, they are not more important than God, than disciple. If God chooses us, all those other labels fall away, um, and we should let them go. We should, um, we should hopefully, um, when we identify, you know, what it means to be a person of God, that that's enough. We don't have to try to be anything else. Um, that we can look at one another and realize um, that we aren't so different. Um, that we are 
um, you know, certainly not the same, but uh, there's something of of community of, of communion um, that occurs when we stop looking at other people as though their identifiers, uh, which are different, are are more important than they really are. A prayer for the unity of the church from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our only Savior, the Prince of Peace, give us grace seriously to lay to heart the great dangers we are in by our unhappy divisions. Take away all hatred and prejudice and whatever else may hinder us from godly union and concord. That, as there is but one body and one spirit, one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, so we may be all of one heart and of one soul, united in one holy bond of truth and peace, of faith and charity, and may with one mind and one mouth glorify you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.